0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. You're listening to Kalam Institute's podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, by Sheikh Abdul Nasir Jangda. Visit us on the web at kalaminstitute.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Qalam Institute. Bismillahi <laughs> wa alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi So inshaAllah we're starting back up our study of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at Sirat Nabawiyyah, the prophetic biography it's been, for those who attend um, either online or here in person, it's been quite a bit of a gap. Uh, we were studying it before Ramadan. So just to kind of catch everyone back up, because we are kind of starting off in the middle of um, an overall discussion. We were talking about the journey of the Prophet ﷺ on the night of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj the journey by night from Mecca to Jerusalem and in the ascension above the heavens. What we had covered so far is when exactly the Mi'raj occurred and the fact that it occurred about a year before the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca to Medina. The Mi'raj took place, this journey took place at a very critical and crucial point in the life of Rasulullah ﷺ. He had suffered the loss of the two most beloved people in his life, his wife Khadija رضي anha, and his uncle Abu Talib. And after the death of these two individuals that were so beloved to the Prophet and it was personally a very significant loss in the life of Rasulullah wasallam. Um, that after this, you know, and the situation in Mecca became much, much more dire. It became very difficult to remain in Mecca and to continue to preach and teach in Mecca. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ, after Abu Talib passed away, you know, that protection that was granted to the Prophet ﷺ from on behalf of Abu Talib, it was gone now, it was no longer there. So the Prophet ﷺ found it a lot more difficult to remain in Mecca and to continue to preach and teach in Mecca because many of the troublemakers in Mecca felt that they had open access to the Prophet ﷺ now to persecute him, to refute him, to be aggressive uh, and confront him. So the Prophet ﷺ decided to look outside of Mecca. And at this point in time, he took the journey to Ta'if, which we studied in great detail. And when the Prophet ﷺ was, f- was met with the... Rejection at Ta'if when the people of Ta'if not only turned down the message of the Prophet ﷺ, but in fact they stoned him. They were very aggressive with him. And not only that, but when the Prophet ﷺ attempted to return back to Mecca, he was basically blocked out of Makkah until Mutambil Adi did not grant the Prophet ﷺ protection. He was not able to come back into Makkah. So he's dealing with a very, very difficult situation at this point. And at this point in time, at night the Prophet ﷺ was approached by Jibreel ﷺ, along with a couple of other angels. We talked about how they basically uh, opened the chest of the Prophet ﷺ and cleansed his heart. And then they took an animal was brought to the Prophet ﷺ, the, the buraq. And the Prophet ﷺ boarded this animal, you know, rode this animal and they started taking the journey. And along the way, Jibril stopped the Prophet at certain spots, at certain points, like Al-Madinatul Munawwara. And they prayed at all these locations. Turisina, where Musa had spoken to Allah taala, Baytul Lahm, where the birthplace of Isa ibn Maryam, Isa salam, And they prayed at all these different spots and locations. Not only that, but after they stopped at these certain points and they prayed at these certain places, they continued the journey. And the Prophet ﷺ saw some very interesting things along the way. He saw good and bad people, people who were undergoing great punishment. And he kept asking Jibreel ﷺ, "Manha هؤلاء؟ من Who are these people? Who are those people? And he was informed, like he saw people whose head was being crushed over and over again, repeatedly. And he said, who are these people? And Jibreel told the Prophet these are people who used to consume usury and interest. He saw people whose tongues and lips were being cut off with iron scissors. And he said, who are these people? Why is this happening to them? And he said, these are the people that would backbite, would slander people, would dishonor other people. And the Prophet ﷺ witnessed all this along the way. And as they continued this journey, the Prophet ﷺ kept seeing all these very, very interesting things. Basically, it, were, it was manifestations of different sins, major sins, and similarly good deeds. The Prophet ﷺ saw people who would plant the seed and immediately the crop would grow out of their seed. They didn't have to wait for six months or eight months for the crop to grow out. They put the seed in the ground and immediately would grow out and they would cut the crop. And then immediately they would put a seed in the ground again and another crop would grow out. And he said, who are these people? And Jibreel informed the Prophet wasallam, these are people who strive in the path of Allah. So he kept seeing these things all along the way. So where we left off this journey from... So there are two parts, I had explained this in the previous sessions, there are two parts to this night. There is Al-Isra, which is the journey by night from Mecca to Jerusalem, Wal-Mi'raj, and then the ascension above the heavens, rising up into the sky. So we are still in the part of the journey that is Al Isra. So we've reached a point where the Prophet, ﷺ, the narration says, huwa yaseerum, idha an min kulli ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ saw a woman who was lifting up her dress and showing her leg in a very luring, seducing type of manner. And she was extremely beautiful. And the Prophet ﷺ, and, um, فَقَالَتْ يَا مُحَمَّدْ أَنظِرْنِي أَسْأَلُكَ and this woman says to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Muhammad, wait for me. Because the Prophet is passing by on the buraq. She says, Wait, wait, wait. I want to ask you something. The Prophet Sallallahu did not look towards her. ما هذ... ما هذ... The Prophet Sallallahu said, What is this, O Jibreel? He said, That is the dunya. And he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, if you would have stopped and answered this woman, because she was trying to lure you, uh, call your attention, if you would have stopped and turned your attention towards her, your ummah would have chosen the dunya over the akhirah. And then the Prophet ﷺ continued to move on forward. So right here we see another manifestation, another metaphor. That the dunya is not only just very attractive and appealing, you know, um, in the form of this attractive and appealing creature, but not only that, but it is flaunting its beauty, trying to call the attention of the Prophet ﷺ, but he turned away from it, and he did not pay any attention to it, and he kept going forward. وبينا هو يَسِيرٌ فَإِذَا هُوَ بِشَيْءٍ يَدْعُوهُ مُتَنَحْيًا عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ And the Prophet kept moving forward and then there was something. And it's very interesting that the narration describes that فَإِذَا هُوَ بِشَيْءٍ It was something. Not even being able to ascertain exactly what it was, but something that was away from the path. That was off into a dark distant corner. See, this is very expressive language. It's very visual. It's very symbolic. It was something that was hidden away in a dark, deep, faraway corner. And it was calling the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Halumma, Ya Muhammad, Halumma, Ya Muhammad. Come here, O Muhammad, come here, O Muhammad. فَقَالَ Jibreel, Sir, Ya Muhammad. Jibreel, alayhi said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu keep going. Don't even look in that direction. فَقَالَ مَنْ هذا? The Prophet ﷺ said, who is that? قَالَ هَذَا عَدُوُ اللَّهِ إبليس. That's Iblis, that's the shaytan. أَرَادَ أَنْ تَمِيلَ إِلَيْهِ He wants to distract you from the path. He wants you to lean. He wants you to veer off the path in his direction. Arada أَنْ تَمِيلَ إِلَيْهِ He wants you to basically come off of the path. And again, that's very symbolic. If you pay attention to the nuances here, that shaitan is something that is dark and, and hidden away, off the path. And he's calling, trying to get you to stop and... Get off the path. So Jibreel salam tells the Prophet keep going. And in that is basically the the ta'aleen, the education of the ummah to not pay attention, to not get distracted, but to keep pushing on forward. And this is actually found within the Qur'an itself that وَقَالَ الشَّيْطَانُ لَمَّا قُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ إِنَّ اللَّهُ وَعَدَكُمْ وَعَدَ الحق وَوَعَدْتُكُمْ فَأَخْلَفْتُكُمْ وَمَا كَانَ لِيَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ سُلْطَانٍ إِلَّا أَنْ دَعَوْتُكُمْ فَاسْتَجَبْتُمْ لِي فَلَا تَلُومُونِي وَلُومُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ الله tells us in surah إبراهيم، I believe it is, that surah number 14 that when everything is said, and done, Al-Hassan Basri basically says, this is the khutbah of shaitan to the Ahlul Nar, to the people in the fire of hell. That shaitan will stand on a member of fire, and he will say this, address this to the people in the fire of hell. That, you know, Allah promised you something, and I promised you something as well, but I lied to you. And then he goes on to tell them that, I had no control over you. I could not make you do anything. I just simply called you. It is you who answered me. So don't blame me but blame yourselves. Ma wa ma bi I can't help you and you can't help me. Inni kafartu min qabl. That I completely disassociate myself with what you people did. Your actions are your own. So we find this here very symbolically presented in the journey of Al Al Mi'raj that Shaitan again here cannot grab you and pull you off the path. What Shaitan basically does is he calls you, he distracts you. It is we who make the conscious decision to basically come off the path. To get sidetracked, we make that decision. We undertake those actions. And those are our own. And that's why the advice of Jibreel to the Prophet here was: sit Muhammad, just keep going. Because he can't grab you and pull you off. He can just call you: halumma ya Muhammad, halumma ya Muhammad. Come here, come here, look here, come over here. But if you keep going, all he can do is just keep sitting there and calling out to you. But you can keep on pushing forward. And that's exactly what happened here. وسار فإذا هو بعجوز على جانب الطريق. And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم kept going forward until he passed by a very old, decrepit woman. عجوز, very, very old. This very old, decrepit woman على جانب الطريق on the side of the road. فقالت يا محمد أنظني أسألك. And again this woman says to the Prophet ﷺ, Oh Muhammad, wait for me, I want to ask you something. So that I can ask you something. فَلَمْ يَلْتَفِتْ إِلَيْهَا The Prophet ﷺ again did not turn towards her. He said, who is this, O Jibreel? And Jibreel ﷺ says something very interesting. He says, That... Oh, the amount of time that is left of the life of this world, dunya. The amount of time that is left of this dunya is the amount of age, the years that this old woman has left. And so the woman is described as ajuz, very old and decrepit. And so Jibreel a.s. is saying that, how much time do you think she has left to live? Not much. Very old. Barely functioning. And so now Jibreel is saying that the life of this world, the dunya, that's pretty much all that's left of it is however much time this woman has left. Now, before I go forward, because here it's very interesting, one thing that's very, very important that needs to be understood here is a couple of very important points need to be taken from here. Number one is as we've kind of appreciated in these three, four different scenarios that we've seen here, is that we see the, the symbolism The way that these evils of this world, whether it be the temptation, the material temptation of this world, the way that it is manifest here, the way that it's being presented here, the way the shaitan is being presented here, the way that the time left of this world is being presented here, there is powerful symbolism. Very, very powerful lessons and even how it's being presented here on this miraculous night and in this miraculous journey. Number two is you have to appreciate the approach that is being presented here. The solution, the remedy, how to handle these things. Because these are things that we all struggle with. And it's actually a very simple solution. The very simple solution that's being presented here is don't pay any attention to it. Just look the other way. Because you got to understand that the only power that these things have, whether it be the material temptation of dunya, whether it be shaitan and his, um, you know, basically his, uh, his, his salesmanship, or whether it be the amount of time and duration, you know, basically trying to capitalize on this life in this world, the solution presented to the Prophet that is being presented to us through the Prophet is the same. And it's actually a very simplistic solution. But see that's the nature of our deen. We have to understand that that sometimes it's not a very, it, it might be a very complicated problem, but a lot of times the most complex problems have the simplest solutions. And the very simple solution that's being presented here is, just keep looking forward and just keep pushing on. When you have a goal, when you have an objective, and you have a goal and a target in front of you, and you are working towards that goal and target, you know, you can read a lot of these uh, self-help books, you can talk to, you know, uh, the, the business gurus, you can talk to uh, these life coaches, you can read psychology, you can basically study all these different things. And what they basically tell you is that obstacles and distractions are a natural part of life. And anytime you set a goal or a target for yourself, the, the way to succeed, the way to overcome, is to keep your eyes on the prize and to keep pushing forward. That when a hurdle appears, you jump over the hurdle. You don't stop all of a sudden. You know when track and field, when they run the, when they run the track and there's hurdles. What, what do they do? What does the, the, the athlete do? When he approaches the hurdle, he stops and he goes, this is a very interesting hurdle. Let me measure it, let me see how tall this hurdle is. Very interesting. What color is it? Wow, fascinating. I wonder where they made this, how they made this, why they made this. He doesn't get into all that. He's got his eye on the finish line. And when he approaches the hurdle, he sees the hurdle. It's not like he doesn't see it, he doesn't hear it. He can see it right in front of him. But he makes up his mind that my goal, my target is that finish line that I see over there, the stripe. So when he approaches the hurdle, he already braces himself, prepares himself to do what? In about two steps, I'm about to jump over to this. And the more focused he is, the more prepared he is, the more willing he is, the more easily he clears that hurdle. It's a very simple example, a very simple scenario, a simple solution. And that simple solution is presented to us through the example of Rasulullah ﷺ here. And why is this being communicated to us? Why did this occur? If we want to get philosophical for a second, why did this happen? Why did this happen on this night? This is a night that's meant as we're going to read on further, but we already all basically know the overall conclusion of the journey of al Isra wal-mi'raj. This is the Prophet being able to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and receive comfort and consolation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to engage in a conversation and a dialogue with Allah. That's the objective here. Why is all of this happening? This all just seems unnecessary. This is like clutter. Why would this be happening? And then on top of that, why is this being communicated to us by the Prophet ﷺ? It's because there's a profound lesson in this. That in our journey of reaching Allah Taala, see that's our goal and objective. Just like the Prophet ﷺ, this whole night, the goal, the objective is to go to Allah. But these are obstacles and hurdles being presented just like we will face these obstacles and hurdles and we just have to overcome them. We have to be able to get over them, get by them. And just keep on moving forward. And that's the solution that's presented here. The third thing that I'd like to mention here that's very important as an observation. The third lesson is that, understand one thing. We all know the maqam, we all know the makana, we all know the status of Rasulullah وسلم. Right? Sayyidul Mursaleen, Sayyidul Awwalina Wal Akhirin, Imamul Anbiya'i Wal Mursaleen. As we're going to see when he reaches Baytul Maqdis, when he reaches Jerusalem, Al Masjidul Aqsa, we all see exactly what ends up happening. Some of you might already know. But we're going to read about it. The status of the Prophet is made very, very apparent and obvious. So... The Prophet is the most knowledgeable human being that ever walked the face of this earth. He is the most beloved of Allah's creation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the most dignified, honorable human being that has ever lived. So, but the Prophet does something very specific here. The Prophet turns to Jibreel and he says, Mahada. هَذَا man Who is she? What is that? Why is, what is going on over here? What is this? He inquires of Jibreel a.s. He asks him, what's going on? Explain to me what this is. And this worked on the other way as well. When Jibreel comes to the Prophet the hadith of Jibreel, where he asks the Prophet ma'l-islam, mal Iman, ma'l-ihsan. So it works in the reverse as well to show you the status of the Prophet But there's a very... another very important teaching that is implemented here and that is we might you and I we might not have the answers to all the problems and all the situations that we are faced with and that's okay no one is supposed to have all the answers only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has all the answers we might not have all the answers we're not supposed to have all the answers and there's nothing wrong with that but what we do have to understand is that when you need help, when you don't understand something, when you feel uncertain, unsure about something, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to get some help. أَهْلَ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't know, then ask the people who do know. And this is a Qur'anic edict. this is a Qur'anic maxim, this is something that is presented within the Qur'an, that is a universal teaching of the Qur'an, that anytime you are faced with any set of circumstances and you're not completely sure what you're dealing with, ask. That's as simple as it is. And our first place to turn and to ask is Allah and His Messenger Wasallam. And that's why it's so important for us to study and to be in touch with the Qur'an and the seerah the life of Rasulullah because this is where we'll find the answers. And even beyond that, as an extension of that, when it comes to the understanding of that, this is why we go to the people of knowledge, why we sit with people of knowledge, and we seek out the answers to our problems, where we seek out the solutions to different issues that we deal with, as is demonstrated here. So view this as a demonstration. The Prophet wasallam, by this point in time, has been preaching and teaching Islam for 12 years. Does any already know? That when, you, when, when temptation is presented to you, just look forward and you keep going. You don't turn towards it. Doesn't he know that when shaitan calls you, just put your head down and keep going forward? Of course he does. But this is demonstrated for us, so that we can learn that if I don't know what I'm doing in a situation, don't be afraid to ask. Seek out the answers. Now the Prophet… And, and if somebody is able… Somebody is determined, and they are able to push through and find the correct course of action through these different distractions and obstacles and hurdles. Then what waits on the other side? This is what we see now. Then the Prophet ﷺ kept moving forward, and he was he was greeted by, he met with. A creation from the creation of Allah. فَقَالُوا أَسْسَلَامُ عَلَيْكَ يَا أَوَّلُ أَسْسَلَامُ عَلَيْكَ يَا آخِر أَسْسَلَامُ عَلَيْكَ يَا حَاشِر And then the salam was given to the Prophet ﷺ. As-salamu alaykum, O ya awwal, the one who came first, or the one who is first in line. أَسْسَلَامُ عَلَيْكَ يَا akhir, The one who comes at the end. So the one who is first in line, but also Asalaamu alaykum, the one who came at the very end. As salamu Ya hashir. As salamu alaykum, oh the one who gathers humanity, people together. فَقَالَ Jibreel as-salam Jibreel alayhi salam says to the Prophet that respond, give the salam back. فَرَدَّ So the Prophet responded, he said, وَعَلَيْكُمُ السَّلَامُ ثُمَّ لَقِيَهُ ثَّانِيَ فَقَالَ لَهُ مِثْلَ ذلك. Then the Prophet met the second person, and he said the same thing. He gave salam to the Prophet in the same way, and the Prophet responded, ثُمَّ لَقْيَهُ ثَّالِثَ فَقَالَ لَهُ مِثْلَ ذلك. Then he met a third person, and then same way the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he gave the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ returned to salam. فَقَالَ مَنْ هَؤُلَى يَعْجِبْرِيلِ And the Prophet ﷺ, who are these people O Jibreel? قَالَ Musa وَمُوسَى وَعِيْسَى That this was Ibrahim, Musa and Isa ﷺ who are greeting you on your journey. As you are progressing on towards your destination. That if we are able to persist and overcome the obstacles and the hurdles that are there, then what awaits on the other side is the consolation. And notice they didn't just give salam, but they are congratulating. Calling the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Awal means you are the first in line to enter paradise. Ya Akhir, you are the last of the prophets to come in this world. You are the first in line to go into paradise. You are the first in line to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are the first in line when it comes to virtue, but you are the last one when it comes to entering into this world, arriving in this dunya. Ya Hashid, you are one who has the ability, who has been given the transcendence to gather human beings, to gather mankind across borders, across ethnicities, across colors and languages and all barriers. Look at the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam today. Look at the just the, the diversity in the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ. So they're congratulating him, and then such honorable, noble people that the Prophet ﷺ has been hearing about, reading about, talking about, time and time again in the revelation of the Qur'an, Years he hears about Ibrahim and Musa and Isa ﷺ, and for them to congratulate the Prophet ﷺ, and to encourage him to keep going forward. That type of encouragement. Awaits when somebody is able to overcome the obstacles and the hurdles. ala Musa, and then the narration goes on to describe that he passed by Musa alayhi salam, wahua عند الكثيب الأحمر. And Musa alayhi salam was praying in his grave near al-Kathib al-Ahmar. Al-Kathib al Al-Kathib al-Ahmar literally translates to as the red sand hill. And this basically refers to the mountains that are near where Musa alayhi salam was buried, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi passes by and Musa alayhi salam is praying there, Rajulun Rajulun That Musa alayhi salam was very tall. Sibtu That he had very long flowing hair, like straight hair. Like long flowing type of hair, straight hair. كَأَنَّهُم مِّن رِجَالِ شَأُونَ Shanu'ah, that it was as if he was from the men of Shanua. Shanua was basically a Yemeni tribe that they had a very specific appearance. And it's actually mentioned that the people of Shanu'ah were people that the Prophet ﷺ had praised. Not only were they very handsome men, the men of Shanu'ah were known to be very handsome. They were very tall, they were very handsome, but they were also known because of their good character and their good akhlaq. They were very dignified people. So the Prophet ﷺ trying to explain how Musa looked. He said he was tall, he had long straight hair, and then he says that the closest resemblance I can think of is you know how those men from Shanu'a look? Then the Prophet said he looked like that. But he also gave a very positive association because the men of Shanu'a were known to be very dignified, mannered, cultured individuals. That he was saying and he was raising his voice, he was praying very loudly and he was saying, Akramtahu wa Faddaltahu. اَكْرَمْتَهُ وَفَضَّلْتَهُ He was speaking to Allah and he said, you have honored him and you have given him such great virtue. He's talking about the Prophet He's talking to Allah about the Prophet wasallam, Saying, you have honored him, Ya Allah. And you have given him such great virtue, Ya Allah. In fact, there are narrations that Abu Laytha samarqadni ta'ala in his book, Tambihul Ghafilin, He actually mentions narrations that Musa salam. When he learned of the ummah of the Prophet that basically in his conversation with Allah on Mount Tur, when he went there for 40 days, he spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him about people who will come afterwards. They will not have knowledge, but I will give them knowledge from my knowledge, Allah said. They will not have patience and forbearance, but I will give them patience and foresightedness from my patience and foresightedness, Allah said. And Musa a.s. said, Ya Allah, these sound like amazing people. Then Allah told Musa a.s. that people will come later, that they will commit so many sins, but they will turn back to me, they will make tawbah, they will repent, they will turn back to me. I will not only forgive them for their sins, but I will turn all their sins into good deeds. And he said, those sound like remarkable people, Ya Allah. And then Allah tells Musa that a people will come, when they make the intention to do a good deed, I will give them a good deed. Then if they actually do that good deed, I will give them 10 times the reward of that good deed. When they make the intention to commit a sin, I will not write down a sin for them. If they actually commit the sin, they only get one sin. But if after making the intention to do a sin, they, a sin will not be written for them. And if they don't do that sin, a good deed will be written for them because they resisted the temptation. And Musa salam said, that's it, I've heard enough. Ya Allah, give these people to me. Let me lead these people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Musa alayhi salam that, no, this people, this ummah, is reserved for my beloved Habib Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And then Musa alayhi salam basically asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is it possible for me to be amongst those people? And he said, no Musa, you have your own task. You do what I've asked you to do. You have to go back to your people. And so... Musa salam is saying to Allah, Ya Allah, you have honored this man. You have given him such great virtue. You have blessed him so much, ya Allah. عليه عليه and he says, salam to the Prophet and the Prophet responds to his salam. And he says, مَنْ And then Musa says, oh Jibreel. Because he recognizes Jibreel salam And he says, who is this with you? And he says, Hada Ahmadu. Of course, Musa recognizes and realizes the Prophet, but this is like an opportunity. You know when you need to have formal introductions? So he says, Introduce me. Aren't you going to introduce us? You know when you walk up somebody you say, You're not going to introduce us? So he says, Man hada maaka, Ya Who is this with you? Introduce him properly. And he says, Hada ahmadu. And he introduces the Prophet Sallallahu in a very beloved way. He didn't say "Hada Muhammad, he says "Hada Ahmad. And we've talked about this multiple times in the Seerah, uh, series here. But Ahmad was one of the names of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What's very interesting about the name Ahmad is this is actually the name that the mother of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi used to call the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi So Ahmad was like a more beloved address. So that's why he because Musa alayhi salam is like a brother of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam this is family now this is these are not formal introductions to strangers this is family just like the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam we talked about this in the sessions on the journey to taif on the way back from taif when the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam met addas from nainawa when he met the christian slave addas and when the Prophet ﷺ gave him da'wah and he accepted Islam, رضي الله عنه, when he accepted Islam, the Prophet ﷺ when he found out he's from Nainawa, he asked him, do you know who Yunus is? He said, of course I know who Yunus is. How do you know who Yunus is? And he said, he's my brother. إِنَّكَ You are from amongst the messengers. You belong to the brotherhood, the fraternity of messengers. So here he says, "Hada Ahmadu, This is your brother Ahmad and then there, he said مرحبا بالنبي العربي الذي نصح لأمته ودعا له بالبركة and then he said, Marhabam. He said, welcome, welcome, bin Nabi al-Arabi. For, welcome to the Arab Prophet. Alladhi nasaha li the one who gave sincere advice to his ummah. Wa baraka. And then he made dua. That may Allah put baraka in your efforts. He made dua for the Prophet Sallallahu And then he said something very interesting. Because the Prophet Sallallahu was on his way to a meeting with Allah subhanahu wa So he said, Salli ummatika al umma al Yusuf, And this is kind of like foreshadowing as well. He said, ask ease and facilitation for your ummah. You're about to go and get the ultimate opportunity to ask for whatever it is that you want. Ask ease and facilitation on behalf of your ummah. And so this is the advice that he gives to the Prophet ﷺ. And we'll, we'll learn more about that going forward. And and really briefly, I guess because the word the the the, the, the idea has kind of come up, this is rooted within the teachings of the Prophet. In the Quran, we just we, you probably heard about it numerous times. In the month of Ramadan, you read Allahu Allah wants ease and facilitation for you. He does not want difficulty for you. The prophets said, Yesiru walatu asiru. Facilitate the religion for the people. Do not make the religion difficult and overbearing for the people. bu'ithum la The Prophet ﷺ even told the Sahaba, the companions, the, the Muslims, that when you go out and you preach the religion of Islam on my behalf to other people, realize and remember and recognize and understand that you have been sent as facilitators of the religion. Not to make the religion difficult. الدين yusrun, Because a religion in its essence, in its core, in its nature is facilitating. It is not suffocating. ما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتشقى ومفهوم المخالف إنما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتسعد. Right? Allah said that we did not send down the Qur'an upon you to ruin your life, to make your life difficult. Mafhumul Mukhalaf basically means that. Then, what does that necessitate? That basically means what? We send down the Quran upon you so that you may you may thrive. We didn't send down the Quran on you to ruin your life. We sent down the Quran upon you to make your life so that you would blossom, you would flourish, you would thrive as individuals, as families, as communities, as a society, as a people, as an ummah. You would thrive. That's the purpose of this Quran. That's the purpose of this deen. Fasaru. So they keep going forward. Faqala manhada. And then the Prophet says, Who was this? He said, Hada Musa Hada Musa ibn Imran. This is Musa the son of Imran. Palawamayuat. He's the Prophet says, Who was he like screaming at? Because Musa was very loud. And naturally the disposition of Musa was that he was a very loud he was a very loud, imposing type of man. So he said, who is he yelling at? And he said, rabbahu. he was talking to his Lord, his master. He was talking to Allah. And then the Prophet says, Awayarfa'a ala He would raise his voice in front of Allah like that. So Jibreel says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recognizes and has given Musa alayhi the recognition of his status. Meaning he's not confused about the fact that he is the slave of Allah. who abdullahi. That he is the slave of Allah. He recognizes that. But this is just how natural and organic his relationship with Allah is. And there's something beautiful in that as well. That understanding that we are always humble before Allah, we always know our place before Allah, but that does not prevent us from having a very real relationship with Allah. Whether it be crying, or it be pain, or it be happiness, or it be difficulty, talking to Allah. Then the narration describes, and then he passed by a tree. That the fruits of the tree were very widespread. And actually, uh, I was looking at this phrase, this is an expression in Arabic, that when you say the fruits of a tree are very widespread, it describes the overall shape of the tree. That a tree whose branches reach out very far away, they're very widespread, and the fruit hangs very low from the tree. That that's basically what it describes. Alright, so the tree was very wide, and the fruits were hanging very low from the tree. And sitting underneath the shade of that tree was a very elderly man and his family around him. Fara'a Masabiha wa And the Prophet saw that there were lights, lanterns, and lights that were basically around them. Like there was all these lights that were glowing around them. He said, Who is this, Jibril?" قَالَ أَبُوكَ إِبْرَاهِيمِ This is your forefather Ibrahim a.s. فَسَلَّمَ عَلَيْهِ فَرَدَّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ And he gave salam to the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ returned the salam. وَقَالَ مَنْ هَذَا مَا عَكَ يَا جِبْرِيلِ And Ibrahim a.s. <Rama CGIcalm>. says, Who is this with you, O Jibreel? And he says, هَذَا إِبْنُكَ أَحْمَدُ This is your son, Ahmed. This is your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَقَالَ مَرْحَبًا بِالنَّبِيِ الْعَرَبِيِ أَلَّذِي بَلَّغَ رِسَالَةَ رَبِّهِ وَنَصَحَ لِأُمَّتِهِ And then again, Ibrahim alayhi salam welcomes the Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam, welcome to the Arab Prophet who delivered the message of his Lord and gave sincere advice to his ummah. يَا بُنَيَّ إِنَّكَ لَاقٍ رَبَّكَ اللَّيلاً. And he said, My beloved son, My beloved grandson, you will meet your Lord tonight. You will meet your Lord tonight. وَإِنَّ أُمَّتَ... وَإِنَّ and your Ummah is the last of all the Ummas to come and the weakest of all the Ummas to come. فَإن فَإن so he said that if you are able to present the needs of your Ummah before your Lord, don't hesitate to do so. Like if you feel the need to make dua for your ummah, if you feel the need to you know, request something on behalf of your ummah, ease and facilitation from your Lord on behalf of your ummah, فَفَعَلْ Then do, go ahead and do it and don't hesitate. Your ummah needs it. Your ummah needs you. وَدَعَى bil بِالْبَرَكَةِ And then he prayed for barakah for the Prophet ﷺ. فَسَارَ حَتَّى atal الَّذِي فِي الْمَدِينَةِ يَعْنِي بَيْتُ الْمَقْدِسِ Then the Prophet ﷺ continued until he came upon a valley that was in the city, meaning بَيْتُ الْمَقْدِسِ فَإِذَا جَهَنَّمْ تَنْكَشِفُ عَنْ مِثْلِ الْرَوَابِ And then the Prophet ﷺ was able to see the fire of hell, it was basically opened. And the Prophet ﷺ was able to see within it مِثْلَ الْرَوَابِ It was like hills. And inside, the Prophet ﷺ was able to see the fire of hell. Fakila, and here the Prophet ﷺ was interrupted while he's telling this. Some of the Sahaba radhiyallahu taala anhum paused. Notice that there were no more pauses before this. Faqila. the Sahaba never interrupted. They listened very attentively, paid attention, soaked in everything. But here they paused, and they said, "Ya Rasulullah, kifah wajattha? O Messenger of Allah, what was it like? What was it like?" So the sahaba radiallahu are very very astute and they realize that this is something very serious. So they inquire. فَقَالَ مِثْلَ الْحُمَمُ مِثْلَ الْحُمَمُ He said these hills that I was able to see within the fire of hell that were shown to me, they were like burning coals. Each hill was like, you know like when you put charcoal inside of a fire and it becomes red. He said that's what the hills inside the fire of hell look like. Thummasara hatta intaha Madina, and this was outside of the city. And then the Prophet ﷺ describes that he continued on forward until he entered Jerusalem. He entered into that area of Beitul maqdis Fadhala min babi Yamani. and the Prophet ﷺ entered into the area Jerusalem around al um from the Babul Yamani, basically the the door that was facing on the right side of the city. And then when the Prophet ﷺ got closer to the masjid, he saw that from the right of the masjid and the left of the masjid there were two lights that were shining straight up into the sky. مَا And he said, Oh Jibreel, what are these two lights that are shooting like you know beams up into the sky? And Jibreel a.s. said ladhi an yaminika mihrabu Dawood He said the right that the light that's on the right side of the masjid that's where the mihrab of Dawood a.s. used to be That's where the mihrab mihrab is basically this inset portion that is there at the front of the masjid that's where the mihrab of Dawood a.s. your brother Dawood a.s. used to be wa ladhi an fa ala Maryam and he said, the light that is shooting up like a beam into the sky from the left of the masjid, that is emanating from the grave of your sister Maryam, the mother of Isa alayhi salam. That is the honor that Allah has bestowed upon the mother of Isa alayhi salam, Maryam. salamun alayha. فَدَخَلَ الْمَسْجِدَ مِنْ بَابٍ فِيهِ تَمِيلُ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرِ Subhanallah, and then it's even beautiful. The Prophet alayhi entered into the masjid from a door that the narration describes فيه تميل الشمس qamar, that even the sun and the moon as they make their progressions through the sky they peek in through that door even the sun looks inside Masjid Al-Aqsa even the moon tries to look inside Masjid Al-Aqsa it is such a blessed place فَأَتَاجِبْ الصَّخْرَةَ الَّتِي بِبَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ and Jibreel, there are two narrations here. Now I'm gonna mention both narrations. Jibreel alayhi came to a rock that was sitting outside, that was attached to Baytul Maqdis. فَوَضَعَ fihi فِيهِ فَخَرَقَهَا And then Jibreel alayhi basically put his finger into the rock and the rock split up into two. فَشَدَّ And then Jibreel alayhi tied up the buraq to the to the rock. When it split open, then he used that to basically to tie up the buraq. Muslim, But in the riwayah of Sahih Muslim, it actually mentions فَرَبَطَهُ بِالْحَلَقَةِ الَّتِي tarbutu بِهَا الْأَنْبِيَاءُ That then Jibreel ﷺ took the buraq of the Prophet and tied it to a ring that was outside that was on the was by the side of the door of baytul maqdis al masjid al aqsa and it was the same ring that all the prophets when they would visit baytul maqdis that they would tie their animals to that that ring was designated as the place where the prophets would tie their animals when they would come to pay their respects at al masjid al aqsa that jibril alayhis tied the buraq the transportation of rasulullah there to continue that tradition to fulfill that tradition Alright, and and again there are a couple of very interesting nuances that this is tying the Prophet not just tying him symbolically, but tying him literally to the tradition of all the Prophets that came before him. Because this is exactly what he needed right now. With all the suffering and all the difficulty that was going on, this was providing that confidence to the Prophet that what you're doing is right, just keep doing what you're doing. And then the second thing that needs to be appreciated about this is that I find it very fascinating, you see that Jibreel salam even though the Prophet was turning to him and asking him the questions, but we see that Jibreel salam is the one who is taking the animal of the Prophet and tying it for him, meaning Jibreel salam is the one serving the Prophet Like we would call doing the khidmah of the Prophet So you see the status of Rasulullah here. فلما استوا بها النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم فِي صخرة الْمَسْجِدِ Then when the Prophet ﷺ basically entered into the main area of the masjid, And then basically Jibreel tells the Prophet ﷺ, Did you ask, oh, did, oh Muhammad, did you ask your Lord to basically show you, to introduce you to the women of paradise, the الحُورُ الْعِينِ and the Prophet said, Naam, he said, Yes, إِلَىٰ niswa فَسَلِّمْ alayhinna. There were women on the side of the masjid, and he said, Go and say salam to them. Wa hunna julusun يَسَارِ They were sitting on the side of the masjid. Fantaha ilayhinna. The Prophet goes to them. فَسَلَّمَ عَلَيْهِنَّ the Prophet says salam to them. And they responded to the Prophet, He said, Who are you? Like Allah describes him in Surah Al-Rahman. they said, we are khairatul hisan. We are the very good and beautiful women of Jannah. Nisa, and then they introduced themselves. To, and this is why I mentioned this, very interesting. They said, nisa'u qawmin abrar. We are the women of men, of people, who are very righteous. Naqaw falam yadranu. Ad-daran. Daran basically refers to filth. They said that we... Seek out the company of men who are good and clean, who did not filthy themselves, sully themselves, filthy themselves. And they stood, they stood firm before Allah subhanahu wa taala, and they did not run away when the going got tough. And they've been given a life of eternity, and they will never die ever again. ثم صلى هو و كل واحد ركعتين فلم يلبث, فلم يلبث إلا يَسِيرًا حتى اجتمع ناس كثير Then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and Jibreel عليه السلام prayed two raka'as, each of them, and that is the sunnah of the Prophet صلى الله Masjid, what we call, when you enter the Masjid you fulfill the right of the Masjid by praying two raka'as, so they prayed two raka'as, and then they were not there for very long before the Masjid became flooded with people. حَتَّى anasun A bunch of people entered into the masjid. فَعَرَفَ النَّبِيِّينَ مِنْ بَيْنِ قَائِمٍ وَرَاكِعٍ And the Prophet started looking around and he started recognizing prophets of Allah. Some were standing, some were doing ruku'ah, some were doing sujood. They were all offering their tahiyyatul masjid. And then somebody called the adhan. وَأُقِيمَتِ الصَّلَاةِ and the, and the iqama was called. فَقَامُوا يَنْتَظِرُونَ مَنْ يَأُمُّهُمْ And they all stood up to, and then they all kind of stood up for a moment, you know where it's kind of that, a little bit of awkwardness, like who's gonna lead? Right, so everybody kind of stood up, and then they're like, who's gonna lead? فَأَخَذَ جِبْرِيلٌ بِيَدِهِ and then jibril alayhisalam took the prophet sallallahu by his hand faqaddamahu and then he took him forward fa bihim rak'atayn and then the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam two rak'ahs for all the prophets that were there Well, fi diwayat in another narration says thumma uqimatis salat di iqama was called fa tadafa'u hatta qaddamu muhammadan and then they started saying, you should, no, you should lead, no, you should lead, no, you should lead, no, you should lead, until there was a consensus in the room that Muhammad ﷺ should lead. وَعِنْدَ الْوَاسَةِ عَنْ كعب, There's yet a third narration here that says, فَأَذَّنَا جِبْرِيلِ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ مِنَ السماء. وحشر الله له المرسلين that the angels descended down from the sky and then all the prophets were gathered together, were escorted there by the angels, by the malaika. Like the Prophet was brought by Jibreel ﷺ, angels descended down from the sky who brought all these prophets and brought them together. bil wal mursalin, And the Prophet led the prayer, and not only all the prophets prayed, but all these angels they prayed as well. فَلَمَّا إِن فَلَمَّا in Salafah, When the Prophet finished the prayer, you know how the Imam turns? That's from the sunnah of the Prophet The Prophet وسلم, after he would get done leading the prayer, he would turn and face the congregation. So following his habit, his sunnah, the Prophet وسلم, when he finished the prayer, he turned and faced towards the congregation. فَقَالَ يَا مُحَمَّدَ And then Jibreel ﷺ said, O oh, Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, أَتَدْرِي صلى خلفك? Do you know who just prayed behind you? And the Prophet ﷺ said, "La, I'm not completely sure. So the, then Jibreel ﷺ tells the Prophet ﷺ, Kullu ba'athahu Allah ta'ala. Every single Prophet that Allah ever sent. There is a riwayah, there is a narration in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad رحمه that mentions over 125,000 Prophets were sent. And there's another narration in the same chapter of the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, Narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu that mentions the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasam says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent over 300,000 prophets. And Jibreel Jibril alayhisalam is telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasam here كل nabiyyin ba'athahu Allah. Every single prophet that Allah ever sent was here praying behind you. The Prophet was able to meet the souls of all these Prophets and they all praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm basically gonna pause and stop here because there's a very beautiful conversation that takes place. Between the prophets and the Prophet of Allah, Muhammad ﷺ, there's a very beautiful conversation that takes place, but it's a little bit of a lengthy conversation that I'd like for everyone to be able to appreciate. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and pause here, because what time is Salat al-Irshah, 9.45? It's 10 o'clock? Okay, never mind. Alright. So let's go ahead and continue then, inshallah. Or let's go ahead and pause. We'll go ahead and stop here, inshallah. I had a toothache today. So I'm loaded up on painkillers. I have no idea what time of day it is, mashallah. Uh, So we'll go ahead and stop here. We'll pause here, inshallah. And we'll continue uh, next week. Basically what we study in the following session is this conversation that takes place between the... Basically after the salah is done, then the different prophets, they speak. And they basically talk about themselves and their experiences and their relationship with Allah. And then the Prophet concludes the conversation by addressing them in conclusion. So it's like basically there's a speaker panel, each many different prophets, Sulaiman salam, Musa ﷺ, Isa ﷺ, they all speak turn by turn. And in conclusion, the Prophet speaks. And at the end and the conclusion of all of this, then the Prophet begins the second part of this night, that is Al-Mi'raj. That is the ascension into the heavens, and basically we'll continue on from there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, give us the proper understanding of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to implement everything that we learn, everything that we study from here. Um, just as a reminder, especially for the brothers and sisters who maybe are attending this week, like I said, for those who are attending, there's been a little bit of a gap. So if you'd like to kind of, you know, refresh your memory and go back and kind of follow up on the previous sessions, well, alhamdulillah, we put them online on the Qalam Institute website. So you can go there and it's all free and available. Uh, for download or for listening inshallah So you can definitely go and access those sessions there And we'll continue this class every Tuesday inshallah After Salatul maghrib And normally we'll go all the way to Salatul al Just keeping it a little bit shorter today JazakAllah khairan SubhanAllah bi-hamdihi SubhanakAllah bi-hamdik ilaha illa anta wa